time is 25 minutes past eight on Tuesday, the 25th of June, 2013. My name is Geraint Thomas. And I'm Simon Payne. And you're listening to episode 50 of Errand of Mercy. The big five zero. It's our golden anniversary, Simon. <laughs> I remember my um, my grandma and granddad's golden anniversary. We had the like all the family round. A uh, yeah. bit, bit more of a quiet affair this uh, this evening. Yeah, I, I I seem to remember my grandparents' golden wedding anniversary. Uh, a village hall was rented out. Um, we have done that. We forgot to invite anyone though, so it's kind of a bit. We're just hate. recording from a drafty village hall. <laughs> yeah, which is why it might sound a bit echoey to you because we're just sat in the middle of an empty village hall in a small village. It's not even a, a, a place where either of us live. We just we just picked a random village hall in a mysterious town in England. It's some some like a place with an incredibly English name, like something like Littlethorpe on the Mound. Yeah. It's um, it, it it's um, it's little thought Thorpe come bottomly. I think and I've just been I've just been handed a, a a cup of coffee from uh, from my my fiance there because you know even though it is technically almost half past eight, we like to think that you know it's breakfast time somewhere. Yeah, um, we're 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 turning this into a breakfast show. I think. Usually on episode fifty, we've tried to switch things up. I think usually because we're doing this in the evening, quite often we might have like a beer or a glass of wine while yeah. doing the show. We're, we're changing that around. We're, we're making this a breakfast show now. Um, I think a lot of our listeners listen to the show at breakfast time, so um, thereabouts. Yeah, we, we've we've got Errand of Mercy branded coffee mugs. We're, we're now going to clink them together in the go. village hall. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was a little bit quieter than yours because uh, because I've got a smaller mug, but that's fine. Yeah, I think makes, that that'll be all right. That, that's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because you know it's it's breakfast time somewhere. It's like Margaritaville, but yeah. like backwards Margaritaville. Yeah, we're getting our lives together in morning coffeeville. So welcome to uh, to our journey through the world. Um, I think I want to start this week um, mostly because like the show will. I'm expecting it'll probably go up on Thursday, as per usual. Yep. Um, which means that the day after the show comes out, uh, the Rolling Stones will be playing the uh, headline slot at Glastonbury on the Friday evening. Um, I don't know, is that the headline slot for the first evening of Glastonbury? Yeah, I, I guess. We'll call it the headline. To be honest, like even yeah. if it wasn't, you'd have to give it to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Like, no, no other act that whoever's playing Glastonbury this year is going to top the Rolling Stones. Um Simon, do you think this is going to be the event where the Rolling Stones finally turn into dust on stage? I think that Glastonbury would be a fantastic time for that to happen because you know it's it's quite a it's a, both a middle class festival and a kind of pseudo mystic festival. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they 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 could be like f- play the final uh, guitar riff of one of their hits. And then, uh, and then they'll just like gradually turn to like a wind will summon up from nowhere, and they'll gradually turn to dust and blow yeah, out just, over the crowd. Yeah, and they'll blow out, and they'll blow out over to Stonehenge, yeah. covering it in a fine mist of yeah. the Rolling Stones. And that, then every every summer solstice, you you can still hear them playing. Yeah, and and see the thin wispy outline of Mick Jagger strutting around Stonehenge. Yeah, that that's. That that seems like the logical 
the logical way this is going to go. Yes. So that's what I'm hoping. But to be honest, if you want to see the thin, wispy outline of Mick Jagger strutting around, you just need to go to a Rolling Stones concert. That's happening already. Yeah, but not all of us have like a thousand pounds to buy tickets to a Rolling Stones concert and or Glastonbury. Yeah, exactly. Glastonbury's so, pretty expensive, isn't it? It's quite pricey. I'm, it's never been something I've really wanted to go to. No, me neither. Like, I don't. I don't know why. I've been to a couple of festivals. I've been to. Um, I've been to Guildfest in Guildford. That was pretty middle class. That sounds quite middle class. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I went to. Uh, what did I see at Guildfest? I saw Simple Minds with my dad at Guildfest. <laughs> of course you did. And then we went and saw. Um, what, who's the um, stand-up comedian who was trying to bring back the pencil mustache? Uh, Richard Herring. Richard we went and Herring, saw yeah. Richard Herring do stand up. Uh, it was good. That was a that was a, f- a fine festival. I've been to um, Reading Festival a couple of times. So I used to live in Reading. Yeah, uh, that was all right. But Glastonbury, not so much. Because I just feel like, I like for me, Glastonbury's always felt like one of those places where I like I'd be cra- like gradually getting into it, maybe with the help of some um, some substances, mm. um, and then and then there'd be people around me saying things that would just drive me mad. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't think I could deal with the number of people called Crispin and Wills, you know? Saying things like, I don't like the word corporation. It's kind of like society. <laughs> that was a uh, an actual yeah. quote from a girl who thought she was clever on um, Britain and Ireland's top next top model last <laughs> night. Jesus Christ. I was going to say... I imagine at Glastonbury there'll be a lot of people talking about the time they went to um, do volunteer work in Cambodia. Yeah. Be like, no, you you really don't understand just how, I mean, honestly, it changed my life. I just, it was so spiritual. It was so spiritual, Simon. That's what you just don't understand. You just, I, you'll, I, you'll just never understand because you can't possibly be as spiritual as me. Because, because I went to Cambodia and we did volunteer work, and it was it was very spiritual, Simon. Um, yeah, I couldn't deal with that. I would probably kill someone. But yeah, that's the problem because, like, can you imagine? Like, I'm I'm kind of on edge about people like that at the best of times. Can you imagine me with my inhibitions lowered by drugs in that situation? <laughs> No, I don't want to because I don't <laughs> want to imagine you murdering someone. Just like some kind of mad creature. My- I don't want to ruin my pure image if you sign. <laughs> Your pure image of me. Yeah, Because exactly. so far, I haven't seen you murder someone. That is true. No, that is the, 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 the last great fun frontier for me. Murder. Straight up murder of somebody because they pronounced focaccia bread. Focaccia bread. <laughs> That's it. That would be the thing yeah. that pushed me over the edge. I'd be able to deal with everything they were saying, but the moment they said focaccia bread like that, I would just be like, that's it. One of us isn't leaving this field alive. The thing is, though, one of I've got one of the people I work with, her boyfriend is going to Glastonbury for free because he's like, it's something to do with CND. Okay. And I was like, if I if I was if it was free, I would probably go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that, exactly. that would overcome. I just don't want to pay money to have to put up with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, speaking of going to events for free, I went to uh, I went to Res this weekend. Just gone. 
Right, um, you're going to have to explain. Like you've you've mentioned this several times, I keep forgetting what what is what what is that word? It's you're just pre- a, uh, a a PC and indie gaming show that I uh, got a press pass for because of my blog. No big deal. Went for free. All right, uh, all weekend pass usually costs twenty pounds. So you know, cool twenty bucks. That's uh, that's that's all money in my pocket, basically. G. It's, uh, it's difficult being as famous a a, a raconteur as myself sometimes. A famous video games blogger and podcaster Simon Pay. <laughs> like genuinely, I went to Eurogamer on a first pass last year, and yeah. it's a dangerous road to walk because you basically have to every step of the way just be like, "Oh, this is cool. I got something for free." And no circumstances consider yourself a journalist because you have a press pass to one of these events. No, yeah, because like, I'm assuming that. Like, not to diminish your your blog here, but I'm assuming if you've got one, a lot of other people also got press Exactly. Um, and, and also there's different, that like, at most of these events, there's different tiers of press access. Like, you have an enthusiast's press pass, which yeah. is like a press pass, except it's nothing like a press pass. Um, so at Eurogamer, there are exclusive areas that you couldn't get into, which made one young lady who had assumed she was a lot more important than she actually was, very annoyed. Uh, whereas me and my uh, me, my fiancé were like, fuck it, like, yeah. we got here for free. It's not a big deal. Like, we'll write some stuff for our blogs and then uh, we'll move on with our lives. But I think that you can be carried away by the uh, the suggested fame that a press pass can give you. Um, but- Simon, I'm just going to say, like, and I don't know why we haven't done this. Like, why haven't we organised for both me and you to get press passes for this podcast and then just record my reactions to having to go to a video game conference? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the, the reason that I haven't suggested that yet, yet, G, is because I would like to go to a couple more after that. <laughs> and I'm not sure, just like, that, like... like straight two minutes after you're exposed to uh to, to like gamer bros hearing your reaction could you know it might affect um my ability to get into these things afterwards i guess but it would be fun it would it? be fucking funny uh, we'll have to we'll have to organize that at some point we'll have like, to do that i'll just set that up at some point I think being on a press pass at Res was different though because they were just they it seemed like they were handing them out to anybody like there was I think the sweetest thing I saw where there was um like two two boys who must have been like 16 with mm. a like with a um a little camera on a tripod both of them had press passes because you you're given um wristbands to get back into the event and the press pass um, one is white is different colors to everybody else's um so the um the, there's these two kids. Me and um, me and Nicole had gone to um, Starbucks after we'd been in the event for half a day just to kind of gather ourselves and uh, mm. and write some notes for some stuff that she wanted to put on her blog. And um, across the way from us at Starbucks, where there was two um, two sixteen year old boys, I assume, with a, like a uh, a a, um, a mid I would say a mid range Canon digital camera trying to set it up on a little tiny bipod on the table next to them so it could like a, do a, like a piece to camera record of them talking about being at Res for their YouTube channel. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's really sweet. But you know, it is really sweet. 
Yeah, I wonder what those guys' YouTube channel is. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, because I wanted to go up and ask them what, like, oh, yeah, check out your YouTube channel. But you know, this uh, they're, they're two sixteen-year-old boys. I'm a twenty-four-year-old man. I don't really want to go down that road. No, so, you it's know, a dangerous I, road. It's I'm missing. Very... I'm missing out on that YouTube channel. But yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of sweet antics from kids at this event. Um, and it was it was a really fun event actually, very 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 well ran. And because a lot of the um, the developers there are indie developers, they were all kind of chilled and happy to talk to you about what they were doing, and uh, and and what they were making. Um, yeah. Some of them a bit odd. It seems like everybody like fell into two groups: the the indie developers who are just people who like a concept, so they decided to get a couple of their mates who can code together and make it. Yeah. Um, the a, a honorable mention goes out to the full control team, who are the people making the Space Hulk game. Uh, that's an actual video game that's being made for PCG. I'm sure that'll be very enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they just like enjoy Games Workshop games so much. They managed to convince somebody in Games Workshop licensing to allow them to make a Space Hulk game. And, <laughs> like, talking to them about it, you can tell that every day of their lives they wake up and they're like, shit, we get to do this. This is awesome. Um, and, <laughs> that's and that's nice. cool. Yeah, that's nice. Just, like, like literally, like, a team of 12 people making, a, a, like, a, a, an amazing, nostalgic game because they like board games. And that's cool. Uh, and then there are other people, like the... Uh, the head developer of a game called Revenge of the Sunfish 2, um, who, uh, who who I thought was chatting up my fiancé, but had um, while I was at the bar um, at the end of the Saturday, we were there for two days, Saturday and Sunday, um, had kind of moved in on her while I was away to try and sell the concept of his game to her. Um, and I'm, I'm going to put this politely. He looked like... Imagine if Edward Scissorhands was making a computer game. Um, he looked like Edward Scissorhands if he was making a computer game. It was uh, he was wearing a lot of like flowery white makeup. Uh, there was a lot of lacy black goth fashion going on, mm. um, and yeah, he's uh, he, he was an interesting character. He he wouldn't have looked out of place at the goth family picnic. Is that no? What he wouldn't have. Which yeah. um, which I believe we have we've had some horrifying revelations about that we should <laughs> speak about later on in the show. Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about the horrifying revelations. But yeah, carry on. So so he's like uh, so I was talking to him and he's like um, uh, I was like so what's your game about? Because he was uh, he was basically there to uh, to try and sell his game to us as as bloggers so that we'd talk about it because you know apparently he's pretty desperate at this point at the end of Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is about half past ten in the bar after the show's finished because um, everybody went to the pub afterwards because you know England um, yeah. and and he was like I, I, what did he say? He said um, I'm not trying to make a game. I'm trying to make a game about all games and i was like okay okay sir good good luck with that i guess and he said it's based on um it's based on his dreams as well oh always a good sign yeah always a sign of an enjoyable video game or anything for that anything so i'm sat there talking to this guy and i'm like do you think that nobody else has done something like this before because i don't know you're telling me about some kind of like art nouveau digital installation that's based on your dreams you're making edward scissorhands and i feel like i i feel like i've seen this before 
if Brian from Spaced had a younger brother who was really into coding, that's basically who this guy would that's be. That's who. I can... <laughs> that's an awesome image. Yes. What do you make games about? Horror, rage, my dreams. They're not <laughs> games. They're every game. Okay. Um, move away from my table now, sir. But it seemed like everybody was enjoying the stuff he'd made. We couldn't get close enough to his booth to have a go at the crazy game Revenge oh, of the Sunfish. So too. many other people were playing Revenge of the Sunfish number one or something. No, no. Revenge of the Sunfish 2 is the sequel to Revenge of the Sunfish 1. Revenge of the Sunfish 1 is dead, G. That was uh, that's last year's trend. This is the new thing in, in cutting-edge Art Nouveau video games. <laughs> so yeah there was an interesting mix of of people who thought they were making art and people who just wanted to make fun things yeah it was nice that all of these people were were interacting in the same space and i hope a lot of people learn a lot of things over that weekend that's all we ever ask from this show so people learn some things yeah i guess I, i should then make reference to what i possibly learned about the goth family well yeah we should um we should speak about this this is a um a, a family of goths who live in Manchester who G sees while he's out and about. Um, yeah, so previously we'd got the idea that there was a family dynamic of a goth mother and father who had two goth children, a goth son and a goth daughter, and they would go out to drink together all dressed as goths, you know, and, and go through their day-to-day lives. Now, I, I the other day I saw... The two people I assumed were the goth father and the goth daughter up until that point in town acting in the way that made me question whether she was actually a goth daughter and was perhaps actually a goth concubine of some sort. I mean, I don't want to like potentially libel the goth family or any way or slander them. You know, this was just... A fleeting glance that's now happened two times. So I might be misreading the situation. (laughs) I'm just saying that the goth family might not actually be a goth family, but actually like some sort of weird goth sex circle. Oh, wow. Okay, that's... uh, Because, you know, we were hoping that they were a really sweet nuclear unit from the 1950s who also happened to be goths, but no. No, I'm kind of... I don't know. I'm I'm really hoping I'm wrong. I keep saying it because, like, in my heart of hearts, I desperately hope I'm wrong about this. But I I think I might not be. I think I might be right. And yeah, it's but, um, it's a hard. It's it's been difficult for me to deal with over I the last week. Something that we should point out as well. You know, we have no problem with with four person goth sex rings that's fine but if you're if your four person goth sex ring looks and acts from the outside to be a 1950s nuclear family who are also goths um there's some there's some more complex themes going on that all of you should examine at once together that's yeah that's the problem like if you want to have a goth sex circle go crazy i don't you know as long as i don't have to watch it's fine as i always say with these things but yeah if you're acting like a family and also are being a goth sex circle then yeah there's some dynamics there that really need to be addressed before we can move forward with this <laughs> with this idea you've come to us with it's interesting you just not to work on a few of the 
few of the technicalities before we can move forward with the project okay so uh so that that's i think that's a message we have for for the developer of revenge of the sunfish <laughs> 2 and the goth family slash sex circle yeah, exactly. both of you when we, we we understand what you're trying to work towards we just think that you might need to uh, shave off a couple of the rough edges before it's ready for market <laughs> Both, both, both a digital distribution market for the developer man, and you know Market Street in Manchester for the uh, the Goth family slash sex ring. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I've encountered this week walking about town. Um, I've now got something else that I think you're going to enjoy more, Simon. Oh, good. Okay, this this uh, is less horrifying, more entertaining. Yeah, so something we like to, we talk about quite a bit. I wouldn't. I was going to say we like to talk about. It. We don't like talking about it, but it comes up a fair bit. Is bronies and, yeah. and the whole things frowning My Little Pony. This this story does relate to that. But I think what I found was the anti brony. I saw. I would say a mother and a, and a daughter coming out of uh, the Manchester Arndale. And the, the girl had bought had kind of a a little bag. Well, I think it was from like the Build-A-Bear place. It's a whole another story. You can look back on previous episodes to find out more about Build-A-Bear. But yeah. Take she, us home. <laughs> she had like a little basket with, um, with a My Little Pony in. Um, and so the mother and daughter came out and met the father who was, who was a lot, who was a very large gentleman um, and very, very sort of Lancastrian. Good. And so what followed was an amazing situation where he said to the girl, Oh, what have you got there, love? And she goes, It's Pinkie Pie, which I believe is the name for one of the ponies. Yeah, yeah. she's the uh, she's the party pony. Um to which her father replies, Porkipa? Porkipa? Why do you name an horse? Porkipa <laughs> 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 Thank you, all of the north, for that. I was, it was excellent, and the girl was like, "No, no, Dad, it's Pinky Porky, Porky. Why would you call an horse Porky Pa?" I think there are two things that I love about this, like how how basically no no other country could create this situation, and also <laughs> number two, that dad definitely knows what that pony is actually called. <laughs> It was brilliant. So major dad points to troll to Lancastrian troll dad. Yeah, he was, it was that was the thing. It was just so. It was like one of the greatest winding up of children things I ever seen. <laughs> also, the fact he would he wouldn't call it a pony. It was an horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good work. I get like I've I've got actually got another story about misnaming ponies. Um, I read. Um, I was reading a newspaper last week, and there was an amazing apology that I noticed, um, like on their apologies page, where um, they'd been reporting on um, a uh, a TV show that was on recently. I'm not sure what it was called about a um, a couple with Aspergers who were working their way through a romantic relationship with each other, in spite of their um, their or, or you know maybe supported by their mutual um, Aspergers, mm. and um, the young lady in this relationship was a big fan of my little pony and um because they'd they'd said in the apology um essentially we apologize to the couple that we'd featured in our new story about Asperger's last week um we had misnamed the pony that the young lady takes inspiration from it is not in fact fluttershy the shy animal loving pony but twilight sparkle the brainy intellectual pony 
And that was all it was. That was it. <laughs> like, so they've just gone, just print any pony name. It doesn't really matter. And they've got loads yeah. of really angry emails from Brodies. Like, no, you're wrong. How could you get that wrong? They're two completely different personality types. And like the Daily Telegraph yeah. has gone, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> shit, we better <laughs> fix this before we cause a shit storm. Very literally, there are there are fat men with t-shirts with ponies on, burning effigies of us outside our offices. Offices, we need to do something now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I kind of feel that um, I feel like Lancastrian troll dad wouldn't put up with that, would he? No, he'd be he'd just he'd um use he just his. Could- yeah, he'd just carry on annoying them. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. And none of them would be able to act because of how large and Lancastrian he was. He'd yeah. use his, his northernness to defend yeah. himself. I've it, seen it done before. Everybody eventually just goes home. Yeah. I, like, oh, I, shit. I'm, I'm now picturing the group, the group of bronies outside his house protesting and him just stood on his front step drinking kind of can after can of something like John Smith's and just just say between sips just continually saying porcupine <laughs> in a dressing gown yeah no i feel i don't, I, I feel he'd be wearing a rugby league team shirt he'd be wearing yeah. like he'd be wear, he'd be wearing like a saint helens like rugby shirt yeah yeah, yeah? Yeah, exactly. He's the only one he can save us. <laughs> With his his pure Britishness, he's the only one. Um, do you mind if I carry on with news from Manchester? Then? Please do, because Manchester's been a pretty busy place for it for the news recently. It has been quite busy. Mostly, I think this is a story that has travelled round the world and back again. Um, a story from Manchester Museum, uh, one of my favourite museums. It's um, a good museum. It's a very good museum. Um, this is from the Egyptology section of the uh, Manchester Museum, where a t- uh, where a statue has been mysteriously rotating by itself. It has apparently spooked museum chiefs after it was filmed inexplicably rotating in its display cabinet. Um, if you it is seen, pretty creepy, though. It is quite... If you watch, there's sort of like a sped-up sort of CCTV image of this statue. And yeah, like, at the start of the video, it's sort of facing away from the wall and then after a period of sort of three days it turns 180 degrees it's like i'm i'm interested to see how what the answer to this is uh if it's something spiritual if it's something like something to do with magnetic fields i'm looking forward to the answer i'm assuming it has something to do with ley lines i'm just guessing (laughs) It's ley lines pretty... and ancient pharaoh curses. Yeah, lay... ancient pharaoh curses and ley lines, definitely. Maybe beams and spells. We just don't know at this point. <laughs> you think the Scientologists are involved? Shit, I hadn't considered that. You hadn't considered that, but now you're considering it. They do have, uh, they do have a uniformed psychic army side. They do, and <laughs> uh, and and I'm I'm kind of worried because the amount of. Uh, the amount of benefits that they claim is absolutely diabolical. I hear, I hear it's up to ninety pounds a week in housing benefits. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, so what? What do you think the answer to uh, to, to the mysterious rotating coffin of Manchester is? 
Like, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's not a coffin. It is a small, I would say, sort of about one and a half foot tall statue of of uh, of Neb Senu. Apparently, is the... I heard it was a coffin that had a um, sacrificed child buried in it, who was sacrificed a thousand years ago today. <laughs> that could also be true. I think I may have got a fifth or sixth generation version of the story after you, it had been around the world a couple of times. You might have, might have gone around a few too many times by the time it reached you. <laughs> Not sure that's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I don't know. A lot of things have been put around. Um, Brian Cox, uh, the the uh, professor of physics and TV uh, at Manchester University and TV presenter, um, says he believes it's the vibrations of of people's walking past are causing the uh, the, the statue to rotate. Um, he can rotate on my dick. <laughs> Why? That's what I've got to say about Brian Cox. I don't like Brian Cox. You might have you might have noticed that. Um, there are quite a few people who don't have a very good opinion of Brian Cox. <laughs> so that's that's rubbish. That's what a rubbish. I was expecting yes. he'd come out with something kind of wacky to do with magnetic fields or something, but fucking, uh, it's just people walking past. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> Get back on the TV and talk about how amazing nature is. The rest um, of us have got shit to do. See, I, I'm personally going to say that, I mean, it. it has been noted that um that the statue does seem to only turn during the daylight hours um uh, what i'm going to say is that the two halves of the statue are made of different materials and are expanding at variable rates under the strength of the sunlight see i like that yeah, you see, that's, that's that's a good answer. That's a better answer than fucking Brian Cox gave. It sounds more sciencey as well. It sounds so sciencey, doesn't it? I was really proud when I thought up that one. It sounds well sciencey. <laughs> I, I mean, you you are a scientist, Simon. So yeah, but I'm a biologist, so it's like I'm a microbiologist and more recently basic chemist. I'm not sure if I can help you much here. Um, I don't can know. you think? Can you, using your scientific expertise, then come up with a reason for the statue rotating? It's it's difficult. I like I like the idea that maybe somewhere they're doing work in the building, and and that's what's causing it to rotate. Like big, the, it being like because you know it being sun summer at the moment, there could be some builders in somewhere, and they're only work, working during the day, and that's what's making it gradually rotate. Like they're they're doing some heavy drilling or putting some um, some steel piping in somewhere. Maybe the statue is staying still, and Manchester is rotating around the statue. Shit. In that case, the problem is larger than we originally thought. <laughs> yeah. Why has no one considered this? <laughs> well, maybe it's cursed, but it, it was cursed by a really, really, really low-level priest. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what he can do? Like, what, what do you do? Oh, I've got the ability to, uh, to curse your soul so it may never cross the river to the land of the dead where Anubis will judge you to be uh, worthy or unworthy of joining your ancestors. What can you do? I can make a statue rotate over the course of a couple of days. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good, Derek. Good. Um, how about you uh, How about you have a go on this little statue here while the rest of us create an entire religion? 
Oh, that, that's good, because I, I can only do the small ones. Big ones are a bit too much. It's going to take a couple of months before anyone notices, but the small ones, great. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 who we reckon done that. It was, uh, it was a Egyptian priest called Derek who wasn't very good. <laughs> At his curses. There we go. Problem Derek solved. The That's slightly the lame Egyptian priest. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's uh, a fan of the End of Mercy. He's listening to us from the afterlife, and yeah. um, he told me this in a vision. <laughs> and uh, and I'm I'm translating it to you because none of you speak um, ancient Egyptian. Uh, he spoke in pictures, and it was very difficult to understand. And don't worry about it; it's fine. Yeah, I mean that must be cool though when he speaks. There's a, there's a little like word bubble come out with some pictures of like eagles and reeds and yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. Yeah, that, that, that's that, that's how I imagined Egyptians talk. They just, I imagine that when Egyptians talk, they didn't open their mouths; they just write things out and then hold up a speech bubble next to their face. <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. that's what I thought too, and that is how he chose to communicate to me. All right, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. So there we go. We've come up with the solution there we go the area of mercy we're at the forefront of pseudoscience <laughs> it's either expanding differently on either side or a bad priest called derek done a curse on it there we go <laughs> either of those we've got a, a pseudo spiritual and a pseudo scientific answer take your pick they're both better than brian cox's <laughs> Fucking Brian Cox. Fucking Brian Cox. Um, uh, do you want to know a, a physicist who's who's you know rightfully more decorated and more interesting than Brian Cox? Um, yes. Stephen Hawking. He uh, is quite famous. Yes, he is. He's been in the news that today. You know why? Um, I hope he hasn't died. No, he's not died. He's still okay, alive. Um, the EDL has been using him to spread messages of hate. Um, okay, now, the point my mind er er immediately jumps to is, have racists hacked Stephen Hawking's voice computer? <laughs> that would be terrible and also kind of funny, um, but no, no, okay. they haven't done that. What they've done is they've, they've made uh, on their, uh, on one of their Facebook websites, I believe it's the... Uh, the uh, the Bournemouth EDL Facebook website they made a um, a fake video that shows well the first issue I have with it <laughs> is um, is they photomorphed it so he looks like he's moving his lips and uh, he doesn't do that he uses cheek movements to control the speech computer so already EDL you've made a made yeah. a grave a grave inaccuracy here yeah. they're they're like why can't we find any videos of Stephen Hawking's moving his lips when he makes the computer voice <laughs> I can't understand it. It's all so difficult. It must be those Muslims. And it's um, it's it's Stephen. It's essentially Stephen Hawking's saying uh, Stephen Hawking, sorry, saying that he fully supports the EDL and that in England politicians are lying, useless cunts. Thankfully, groups like the EDL are helping the English media wake up to the threat posed by the Islamification of England. That's a uh, that's an interesting. It actually uses the c word. It does, yes, um, because because the EDL is nothing if not ham-handed to the extreme. <laughs> really? It's pretty. Uh, I think it's funny that they were like, "Oh, we need somebody that people recognise as a as a, as a voice of reason and political uh, political stability to be our uh, 
to be an ambassador for our cause. Stephen Hawking, he'll do. <laughs> Uh, and yet yeah, now now everybody will see us as a legitimate uh, uh, political movement. Yeah, because we've photomorphed Stephen Hawking's mouth, so it looks like he's saying the word "cunt." Yeah, good work. Good work, the EDL. Did they use a computer voice on the video? Uh, they they used, I believe, it's Microsoft Sam. <laughs> okay, so. Not even the same computer voice no. as Stephen Hawking's computer voice. Well, it's literally a job that could be done with a malicious hatred of <laughs> foreigners, half a pack of Carling, and a copy of Windows XP. And uh, that's probably all they had access to. The, the thing I like is that by doing the photomorphing, they've actually made this job harder than it needed to be. <laughs> I think that's my big issue here, is that this could they could have found an easier way to be racist idiots, but they were so stupid, they've actually made it harder than it needed to be. And it's obvious that they've only picked, like, we need to make it look like somebody is supporting our cause, because nobody is. We've lost yeah. everyone. Like, we thought that we could talk Al Murray, the pub landlord, round because he seemed like he was on our wavelength, but it turns out he was just a character being portrayed by a much more intelligent man. So we kind of fought, felt like idiots after that. Um, we need somebody who we can literally speak for, but, yeah. but it will seem like they're agreeing with us. We're, right, we can't get any celebrity endorsements. What British celebrities are there who can't speak? I don't know. There's uh, who else? Who is there? Uh, there's Boris Johnson. Well, I don't think that really counts. He can speak. He just chooses not to do it properly. Now that's true. Um, uh, Steve Stephen Hawking is he, uh, is he still politically relevant? I'm not oh, convinced. Oh wait, he was... wait, wait! I thought of another one. What about Morph? <laughs> Morph, Pingu, and Stephen Hawking. They all support the EDL. <laughs> That's what's happening now. I don't think. Well, I mean, for, I mean, and I realise through process of elimination why they had to go with Stephen Hawking because Morph, of course, is brown. Yeah, that so can't work. That can't work. And and Pingu is from the South Pole, so it's foreign. Yeah, so that's not going to work either. So it's going to have to be Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Um, I should point out that Stephen Hawking does not endorse this video and it was not made by him. <laughs> uh, we, uh, that's, uh, I, I, I don't want people to think that, like, shit, did he actually? No. Just no. if you see it on the internet, remember that, that this is just uh, a message of hate made up by idiots and then photoshopped onto Stephen Hawking's face. Not a, <laughs> not a thing that's actually happened in the real lives. Yeah, don't worry about it. And, um, and a charity group that supports sufferers of motor neurone disease the motor neurone disease association has basically come out and said you guys are fucked up <laughs> it is really fucked up yeah. like, like let's let's not let the stupidity kind of hide the fact that this is a really fucked up thing to do what you've done is you've taken a uh, an incredibly intelligent man who has a, a debilitating physical illness and you've 
you've used him to to spread a, a a message of of xenophobic hatred that he has nothing to do with it's not like he debates on subjects of he talks about the universe and like and and massive forces beyond our control he doesn't really he's not really interested in you know how many muslimic ray guns it takes to shoot down an english battleship he's not interested in that He's interested in 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 like the shape of the universe and and how time works. Yeah. And you've taken that brilliant man with a crippling disease and you've twisted him for your own purposes. You're fucking c-ts, not politicians. Politicians, they're kind of fuckers. But yeah. you guys, you're c-ts. Um can we visit a news website we haven't looked at for a little while now, if you don't Please mind. Do. Um as you, as you know, one of our favourite news sources is, of course, Russia Today. I believe, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good website, a fine website with yeah. with with legitimate and accurate views on things, yeah. balanced viewpoints. I would say about real things that have actually happened. I would <laughs> yeah. say is one thing we can definitely say about Russia Today. Um, <laughs> Um, now, obviously, I went on Russia Today initially with the idea of finding out Russian points of view on the whole Edward Snowden spy scandal. Um, One of what, my favourite scandals of the 21st century, by the way. What I found was something far, far better. I found possibly the most Russian news story of all time. Um, this is the news that a Russian... Disney-style theme park will replace a polluting factory near Lake Baikal. (laughs) The shores of the world's largest lake will soon open doors to a new Disney-themed amusement park and surrounding nature reserve. It will be built on the site of the Baikal pulp and paper mill, which was once a major polluter of the lake. (laughs) The park will be called Sacred Russia. That's such an amazing name for a, a rip-off Disney park in Russia. What are we going to call it? Um, Come to Sacred Russia and meet Mikhail Mice. Um, Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev visited the town of Baikla- Baikalsk, situated on the southern shore of the lake, last week. He explained to a local audience the park will create around 2,500 jobs and draw in tourist dollars. That's a typo on the part of (laughs) of Russia today. (laughs) Thus neutralising any negative economic effects of the park's closing. The Baikal pulp and paper mill will be closed. There is no turning back, said Medvedev. It's such an amazingly Russian thing to say as well. I love the idea that, like, so what, they're assuming that, well, we've closed the factory, so we're going to take all of the disenfranchised workers who used to work in the factory and get them to man a theme park, make them dance around in costumes for other people's enjoyment because that, that people, seems like a great idea these people who've been working this factory for probably you know generations of, of families been working here and since 1961 it's been open um we are going to get these people we're going to close the factory and get them to wear rip-off mickey mouse costumes and and, and be in a, in a theme car park which we will call sacred russia <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. What do you reckon the um, the rides will be called? Um, 
Because you've got, you know, Space Mountain. Oh, man. I've just had, like, the, the, you know how, like, Space Mountain at Disneyland, in every Disneyland, is in the middle of, like, a, a future, like, a, a future retro area, which is, like, mm. the future as viewed through the eyes of the 1960s. I want to see the Russian take on that. That's going to be, that's going to be actually really awesome. If that's, yeah. Um, there'll be Putin's Palace. Instead yes. of Disney Palace, there'll be Putin's Palace. That'll be in the middle. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like the parades will be fucking amazing. Oh, instead yeah. of like instead of like famous Disney characters, it'll be just be like insane tanks and decommissioned <laughs> nuclear warheads. <laughs> well, like amazing Red Army choir music plays through tarnished speakers all around. Yeah, I'm imagining there'll be a... You know they've got that massive statue that's the commemoration to the people who died during the Battle of Stalingrad? Yeah. I'm picturing a similar statue, so sort of a giant Russian woman holding aloft a sword, and it'll actually be a big fun slide for you going down. <laughs> it's... Oh, man... I, I had, I'm actually kind of warming to the idea of because because you could make that like science fiction area like a, a commemoration of of amazing twisted Russian science fiction. Yeah, they could they could get that one Russian space shuttle they found in a in a warehouse in Dubai and put it at this theme park. <laughs> it would be so good. It would be so good, and also like. Have you have you seen any pictures of the Russian space program? Because it's one of my favourite things. Well, I mean, I, I I love the whole thing that yeah, basically. I mean, I've got loads of stories about my favourite things about the Russian space program. But yeah, there's pictures of like their their kind of version of Mission Control, and like everything's full of rats. Yeah, they, they had a situation a few years ago where because everything was full of full of rats, the Russian space agency had to hire some cats to eat the rats that were infesting all of their computers that kept their rockets from crashing. <laughs> I think that one of my favourite things is there's like a um. When I went to um, to Kennedy Space Center, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, they've got, they've actually got in the, um, they've got this big like astronaut hall of fame, and they have a massive exhibit about the Russian space program. And you think that like an American exhibit on um, on the Russian space program would just be like, ha ha, you guys have got shit rockets. Our rockets are really good. Look at how much better this is than yours. But it's actually like this this amazing monument to how terrified Americans are of Russian astronauts because yeah. they're so balls-to-the-walls badass. My- there's like a picture. My favourite picture is like there's there's three astronauts literally two hours before uh, the launch of a rocket that's going into space all three of them are stood next to the rocket in long coats smoking cigars lit next to the rocket next to the fuselage of the rocket mm. just wearing like winter coats with cigars on like what's your problem what 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 you guys are in a centrifuge right now we're just gonna hang out here smoke cigars two hours before launch <laughs> you pussy ass motherfuckers <laughs> Did you know that when the when the Russians first started sending up um, sending men into space, they used to put a shotgun in 
in the capsule with the astronauts so that if they crashed in Siberia, like when they landed, they'd be able to fight off wolves. <laughs> it's like the fucking, the coolest shit. Like the Americans are like, oh, we're going to take like our, the pinnacle of our American athletes and we're going to train them for years until yeah. they're able to survive in these, in these environments. And the Russians just went, we're going to take some like ridiculously badass by birth Russians and like tell them to just smoke cigars next to the rockets and then pop off into space with a shotgun because we don't need all of that actually my favorite russian space program story and like i'm sorry if i've mentioned this before because i'm my tag because i love it so much i can't remember what the guy's name is but basically one of the i think it was when they were first testing out sort of joining like the rockets like joining the um, space capsules together in orbit and so they joined them together like people moved between the two and so one landed with three people on and there was one guy left with the other capsule which he then landed but like on the way down something fucked up and it could have ended up spinning like through the atmosphere and he landed really badly um, and the Russian like space agency lost track of him somewhere over Siberia. They found him a week later, just in some like woodcutter's cabin, missing all of his teeth, which had been crushed, like exploded on impact of the ground because he'd like hit the ground upside down. Just sat there in his in his spacesuit, drinking a straight bottle of vodka to ease the pain. <laughs> So, and he'd been there for like an entire week with yeah. this lumberjack who just like kept giving him booze to stop him like screaming. <laughs> so, so I think that what we've decided here is Russia, you're building a theme park called Sacred Russia and you've chosen to theme it after a ripped off Disneyland and not based it on how amazing and insane your space program is. I feel like you're missing a trick. Um, on the other hand, you are building it on the site of a highly polluting factory. So I think you, you are pretty Russian. You're doing it pretty Russian. I Maybe think. they're making a, uh, a statement about the poisonous influence of the West. We can only hope. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's what you're doing, Russia. Let's hope nobody actually dies. <laughs> But they probably will. They probably will. But let's hope they don't. A bit ago, you were looking for information on um, on oh, Edward Snowden. Um, I just wanted to uh, to say about this thing that's happening right now. Thank you, world, for giving <laughs> us such an amazing story where America does something quite horrific. A man speaks up about it. He runs away somewhere else, and then every time America's like, seriously, guys, look, we want this guy back. They go. <laughs> No, I know. No, it's like it's like guys, guys. Can we please have him? It's like ah, no. Sorry, he's not here now. He was here. He was just here. He's gone. Where's he gone? Ah, I'm not gonna say. Yeah, those forms, those magic forms that mean we have to give him to you. We lost those, and while we were trying to find them, uh, we let him leave the country. So sorry about that. I'm pretty sure that was the Hong Kong government's actual excuse, wasn't it? We lost your forms, and while we were sorting that out, he left. Sorry. The Hong Kong government's actual statement was this. Mr Edward Snowden left Hong Kong today, June 23rd, 
on its own accord for a third country through lawful and for a lawful and normal channel. The US government earlier on made a request to the HKSR, that's the Hong Kong uh, Special Administrative Region government, for the issue of a provisional warrant to arrest against Mr Snowden. Since the document provided by the US government did not fully comply with the legal requirements under Hong Kong law, the HKSAR government have requested the UK gov- US government to provide additional information so the Department of Justice could consider whether the US government's requests can meet the relevant legal conditions. As the HKSAR government has yet to have sufficient information to process the request for provisional warrant of arrest, there is no legal basis to restrict Mr Snowden from leaving Hong Kong. The HKSAR government has already informed the US government of Mr Snowden's departure. Meanwhile, the HKSAR government has formally written to the US government requesting clarification on earlier reports about the hacking of computer systems in Hong Kong by US government agencies. The HKSAR government will consider to follow up on the matter so as to protect the legal rights of the people of Hong Kong. Ends Sunday 23rd, 2013. Yeah, well, you know... I didn't get those documents quite right. Also, you are hacking us. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he flees that country to Russia, and Russia are like, uh, no, <laughs> no, because give us an excuse to just fuck with you. That doesn't yeah. like because there was this whole thing that we did for a while where you won, and we've never really given up on that whole thing. So we view this as like a political sparring match between Russia and the US, and this is what we can win with no consequences so uh fuck you the thing i like about it is because they were saying oh yeah he's not on russian territory he's not in russia and now like they said because he's in the airport hey (laughs) and i said a, a couple of weeks ago on a show that you can't tell me that i'm not in the uk just because like i can't like land next to a home base in the uk and then you tell me i'm not in the uk until i'm through passport control apparently you can and i'm very glad of it because (laughs) like basically now edward snowden is in moscow in the moscow airport just chilling at like a a, a Chili's too. The thing is, I have to say about that phone is he might be, but we have to take Vladimir Putin's word on that. It would be Which amazing. Is not, yeah, I mean that's a big ask. Really. It, is. it would be amazing if this is like a, a, a double bluff and he's actually in Havana now, or yeah, he's like, gone to where was it? He was trying to get us get asylum from the US. Well, there was like it was Ecuador, Ecuador. That's it. Yeah, but he might be in Venezuela as well. <laughs> like, no one's, no one's sure where he is. Where what? in the world is Edward San Diego? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Was that the theme? To, how did the theme tune to uh, to come that, that was that. That's the theme tune from yeah. from Carmen San Diego. So good work, Edward Snowden. Good work. I hope that they don't catch you because you were a brave man. And it would appear that everybody who's not America and their terrifying shadowy cabals of secret services are, like, pretty much behind you. Yeah. I I mean, that's the thing, like, because we know that neither the government of China nor the government of of Russia are behind Edward Snowden on principle. Because they're almost doing exactly the same thing. But they are behind it because it lets them fuck around with the United States, which is funny <laughs> it is it's really really funny so we're essentially now in a situation where the united states is chasing all the other world powers around the playground going guys 
give back my Pokemon cards. And they're like, sorry, we don't have them now. Like hiding them behind their back and passing yeah. them to other countries. Oh, well, well, we don't have them. Ecuador has them. Oh, <laughs> and, like, Ecuador doesn't even have them. He just runs away and the US runs after him. And like, and Russia goes, Chad, I've still totally got them. <laughs> It's the best game, and um, and you know they're doing it. They're actually doing it by accident for uh, for the freedom of everyone. So uh, so good work, other countries who aren't the US. Yeah, good work. Keep oh. it up. Keep it up as long as it stays funny. I feel in a couple of weeks it might have gotten old, but for now, please keep it up. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of Carmen San Diego, uh, when I was at um, Comic Con a couple of weeks ago with um, with my soon-to-be brother-in-law, uh, he um, he pointed out, because you know, he hasn't seen much anime, he pointed out how amazing that girl's Carmen Sandiego outfit was. It was, in fact, a man uh, cosplaying Alucard from the, uh, from the, the anime Helsing, who Excellent. looked very sad. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> this guy basically just said, who the fuck are you, Carmen Sandiego or something? <laughs> And when you look at it, if you uh, Google yeah. Alucard from Helsing, he it's looks a lot like Carmen Sandiego. Uh, by the way, spoilers, but that's the word Dracula backwards. I know. Um, and yeah, and, um, and yeah, if I Google image search Carmen Sandiego at the same time, yeah, I'm just picturing that. Very similar outfits. <laughs> Almost as if it's intentional. Um, Helsing's a really rubbish anime that you should probably all watch though because it, it, it has one of the most hilariously bad English accents in the world <laughs> it has the most amazingly bad it's got some amazing attempts at English slang as well doesn't it oh yeah what right okay so I'm trying to remember the plot of this vampires have taken over Birmingham is that correct I think so it's like, <laughs> like it sounds like G is taking the piss like he's just plucked something from midair but that's literally what's happened in Helsing um, so yeah there's these vampires that are taking over Birmingham um, they've got cockney accents and I believe they call the police cockers is yes. that right? it's like get away the cockers are after us yeah uh, they, they actually sh- scream butt off cocker at somebody butt off cocker um, at some point because you know it's um, it's it's England through the eyes of Japan in the early 2000s. So, oh. uh, you know, just just uh, imagine, if you will, that whole sitch and, uh, <laughs> and then realise that this is something you have to see. Um, yeah, in which the the vampires taking over Birmingham are eventually defeated by backwards Dracula, who is dressed as Carmen Sandiego. It's just an anime called Helsing. <laughs> yeah, it's just an anime. It's just, but that's kind of like that's just what happens in anime. It's just an anime, really. <laughs> It's one of those ones that, like, one of the few um, animes that I've, that loads of people watch, and they watch it like I've never met anybody who loves Helsing to the point where they'll they'll defend it like vehemently, like terrifying fanboys. They're like, of course it's shit. Like everyone knows it's shit, but vampires are taking over Birmingham. <laughs> Um, so yeah, check that out or don't. And um, I think we're coming up to the end of the show now. Yeah, so, uh, I think we are. Thank you very much for listening. As always, please tell a friend. Um, you can like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash errand of mercy or one word. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter. That's 
at EOM podcast. Um, or you could email us, um, and our email address is eom.podcast at gmail.com. Um, we recently got some new fan art. Um, thank you very much, Becky, for that. So um, if you go on our Facebook page, we have a little fan art gallery, which has two pieces of fan art. Um, they, are, they are beautiful. They are both beautiful. Um, we, we always recommend that our listeners make more fan art for us because it's one of the most entertaining things that comes out of a podcast, I think. Yep. Um, so, the yeah. worse the better as well, by the way. The worse the better. So, yeah, there's, there are some ways you can tell your friends. Um, also, obviously, we've got a YouTube channel which has a couple of clips on. So, you know, if you want to tell a friend, you're like, here's a funny bit they did. It's on YouTube. So it's only like five minutes long. Um, and if you've got any requests for, like, bits we've done that you've enjoyed, um, just get in contact with us. And I'll probably make one and put it up on the YouTube channel. So, yeah, do that. And yep. uh, thank you very much for listening. Yes, indeed. Um, this has been the, uh, the morning edition of Errand of Mercy. It's always breakfast time somewhere. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Diva